0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Crazy Fucking Mommy. I'm Elise DeLucci, your host. Episode 112. We are here in my living room on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, as usual. Let's address the name change, people. For 111 episodes, we were the Elise DeLucci Show. We moved to Crazy Fucking Mommy. Why? Just needed a little bit of a brand. Nothing more, nothing less than that. That's it. Moving right along. Well, let me say most of my listeners. Okay. We're parents. We're mothers. Maybe we're divorced. Maybe we don't have kids. Maybe we're just single girl, older girls, but I do have a lot of parent listeners. So that's what I am. I'm the kind of the crazy fucking mommy, right? So that's it. Slap a name on that. So my older girls out there, fact of the day, this is for you. Warren Buffett, the richest man in the world, 90% of his wealth was amassed after he turned 65. There is still hope, people. Not that you need it, but you know, everybody likes to hear stuff like that. So I figured you would too. I was on the road last weekend. I was opening for Joey Cola. Oh my God, he's so funny. If you have a chance to see Joey Cola, go see him. Uh, we were at Uncle Vinny's down in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. He's been doing stand-up for 40 years. He's a comedy veteran. Okay. 40 years stand-up. Italian guy from Long Island, just just funny, you know. Just just funny. If you like, if you like me, you like him, right? It's it's all it all in the zika. You like Sebastian, you like Vic. This is you like Joey. Okay, we were down there. Um, oh, I should say I was. Da- I booked the gig, right? But then I decided let me turn it into a little family vacation. So my daughters and I, I had rented a house in uh, Belmar, New Jersey. So we spent the weekend out there. We had a great time. Great. Great time. Took them to the boardwalk. It was actually their first time, if you could believe it to the boardwalk. You know, we don't obviously have boardwalks all around, you know, here. I never took them to Coney Island. No, no particular reason, but they loved it. Um, They were like, mommy, where's the roller coaster? It's like, okay, even if there was a roller coaster, like you're not going on it, okay? Because I I don't know what kind of maintenance the boardwalk roller coasters do as opposed to great adventure. Like, I, I, you know, let me tell you something. When I was nine years old, my family, we would go to the feasts, you know, downtown, the San San Gennaro Feast, probably like a lot of you if you're in the area. But we would also go to the St. Anthony's Feast. We actually went to the St. Anthony's Feast a lot more than the San Gennaro Feast. I don't want to say that was like more, uh, that I well, let me say, it was a smaller feast, okay? It was in Greenwich Village. It was associated with St. Anthony's, the parish, which was my father's family's parish. So we used to go there. They had, A Ferris wheel, okay? And I was like nine years old and I got stuck on the Ferris wheel, like at the top, okay? And it was horrifying. And I still remember that feeling. It just like stopped moving. I don't know in my little mind, I got to ask my mother, I don't know if I if I was stuck for like an hour or like three hours or if it was 20 minutes, it doesn't matter. I was petrified. And ever since that moment, I was like, that's it. I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting these local rides. I mean, you know, I was starting to be, I was, I was born paranoid. That just hyped it up. So no rides for them, but we had a great time. It's so nice over there because, you know, I usually take the kids out East, not for any particular reason. It's just, I don't know, like it's closer, I think, even though there's more traffic, it is closer. But the restaurants out in the Hamptons, the prices, they're ridiculous. I mean, there's I I took the girls, I think, to Montauk last year. And, you know, we would go, uh, what was the restaurant? Gosman's. I'm sure, again, if you go out there, you know it. Big family place. You know, we order the kids chicken nuggets, fries, whatever. You know, that's what they want to eat. It's like $20 for chicken nuggets and fries. You know, it's not, it's not a huge thing. It's just 20, fine, $20. I go to the Jersey shore, the same chicken nuggets and fries, $8. Now I'm not going to base my vacation on $8 chicken nuggets versus $20 chicken nuggets. But I was planning on working out there and I thought, let's do it. And you know what? It literally came out to be so much less money just in total. And I think it's because the Jersey Shore, just cheaper. You're not getting the Hamptons glitz. You're not getting Montauk. You're not at the end of the world sort of thing. But who effing cares? I don't care. I got a girlfriend. She loves Montauk so much. She goes camping. She take, rents a camper van, an RV, and they go out there. And, you know, she likes it. Good for her. But she's going out there. She's spending those Montauk prices. You know, it's, it's a, it's just a lot. It's you know, and let me tell you think Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett amassed the money that he amassed because he wasn't watching every, every nickel and dime. But let me tell you, it's not that I'm not going back to the Hamptons. I'm just telling you, we went to restaurants like the shrimp box that's uh, in Point Pleasant. So it was so good. You know, I love sitting on the water. Clients um, fish market. We went there in Belmar, New Jersey, again, on the water. Really nice. The other thing. That I appreciated about being out there versus out east is that the prices were different, of course, but the waiting was less. Like when I went to Gosman's in Montauk last year, one night we were there, I had to wait like two hours for a table. Here, we'll wait in 30 minutes. Still a wait, not as long. Big, big, big difference to the moms. You know what I'm saying? Someone messaged me on uh i don't know one of the platforms i i think it was twitter you know i i have i've been on twitter let me say i've been on twitter for like i don't know ever since like 2010 or something but i was more of a twitter reader and not a tweeter you know i didn't really tweet a lot um the reason why i didn't tweet a lot was because when i when i first opened my twitter account i was uh well i should say when i I used to have a Twitter account, like at other jobs that I had folded down. You know, maybe in, like when it first Twitter first opened, maybe I don't know in two thousand eight or whatever. But when I was uh, working at the time, I think when I opened this this Twitter account, Elise Delucci, it it uh, which used to be named Wall Street Woman. I was working at a Wall Street firm, publicly publicly traded company, and uh, I went to Pre Manger for lunch, at one day. I'll never forget this. And I, you'll die, I got a salad and I took it back to my little desk upstairs, you know, way up at the top of the office building floor. I had beautiful views of all the bridges, the Lady Liberty. It was amazing, right? Take my little Pret salad to my desk. I start eating it. And what do I find? Fucking bugs in my salad. Can you? So what do you think I did? I didn't throw it out and just have a fit. I just quietly, <laughs> up the salad, went in the elevator, marched right downstairs to Pret. Screamed my head off, you know, where they gave me like the lifetime supply of gift cards. And then I went on Twitter and I was like, oh, my God. And I like, you know, just like ripped them a new one on Twitter. And someone at work saw my tweet and they like yanked me into the office and they said, excuse me, like our I was at the stock market. Let, Let me not cut the shit. But they were like, we list companies. You cannot go on the Internet and start like trashing. Companies. Okay, Lise, because they could be a potential customer or they are a customer. And I was so scared. So from that, I was like, all right, fine. So I had to delete it. And from that moment, I was always just reading Twitter. But I started a tweet and uh recently and someone reached out to me. I don't have a lot of followers. I mean literally like a hundred. Someone reached out to me and they said that they are a podcast listener and they wanted to know what Web3 is. The the question was, hey Lise. I listened to the podcast. Like, I know you work in tech. I know you work in finance. Like, I know that was what your career was, whatever her her question was, whatever how she framed it. And she said, um, I read the papers and I read a web three, this web three, web three. Like, and it's literally, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like the word web, W-E-B-B, and then the number three. And she says, what is web three? So I said, let me answer it on the pod. This is Web3. Web3 is the online ecosystem that's powered by blockchain. So if you are a company and you are powered by blockchain, right? So all these cryptocurrencies that we talk about from time to time or you hear about, they're powered by blockchain. Blockchain is the foundation. Just like on your house, you have a a foundation on your house right? That supports your whole house. Blockchain is the foundation underneath these cryptos, right? They run on blockchain. Your house is built on a foundation, right? So any company that has blockchain, uh, that's running on a blockchain is referred to as a Web3 company. And there's an ecosystem, right? So like an ecosystem, like your house might be in a development, right? And that development Or that cul-de-sac, whatever it is, is made up of all little houses, right? You could say that's like an ecosystem. You got your own ecosystem. You share your garbage people. You share the same mailman, maybe even share babysitters. It's an ecosystem. There's an ecosystem with Web3. All the comp and it's nothing official. It's just all the companies that are powered by Web3, right? I mean, sorry, that are powered by blockchain. They all fit into this Web3 ecosystem. That's all it is. Without getting too technical, that's what it is. I hope I answered your question. Moving on, I read. Oh my god! You know, Apple News. You get you know on your iPhone. You you sometimes you swipe left. I don't know what the hell it is. The news stories pop up, and sometimes they're interesting, and sometimes they're horrifying. Well, pfft, the other day, horrifying. Some guy named Andrew Tate. Have you heard of this guy? He was on Big Brother, and then he got kicked off. I'm going to have it right here. He he was fat. Fe- He was like kicked off a big brother. What is it? Was it one? He was a big brother cast member in 2016. He was kicked off a big brother because, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm saying this. A video surfaced of this guy hitting a woman with a belt. Like what kind of animal, right? Animal. Anyway, so apparently like, i don't know he's like going to jail or there's all these uh what is it he's there's all these lawsuits against him wait he has a tiktok video that's been watched uh oh my god i can't like 11 billion times or something he has four million followers on instagram he's british he's raised in romania and he's he says and he (sighs) said he he's talking about rape and beating women and how he's like supportive of that. And you know what he says about Harry Weinstein, that fucking dog, you know what he says? He said, well, sometimes women put themselves in a position to be raped and maybe if they didn't put themselves in a position to be raped, then they wouldn't get what they, they wouldn't get rape. Like, are you, you should be thrown in jail. Okay. You're, you're a fucking psycho. Okay. Okay all misogyny, all hateful behavior, okay? And he's been banned now, I think, from TikTok and Instagram. And, you know, we talked about that. I don't know if you remember back at like episode 30 or 40, I don't know, a long time ago, we talked about censorship and the the publishers versus platforms. I don't know if you remember that. Like, where's the line, right? Like in the New York Times, they're a publisher and they have editorial decision-making to make. And that's what guides uh, what they publish and what they don't publish. Uh, publish because they are a publishing company. They're a media company. But when you're a platform, when you're Instagram and your Twitter, right? And your Facebook, you don't have, you're supposed to be universal. You're not supposed to have any editorial guidelines. A lot of these platforms do have in place editors or heads of content. That's the, that, you know, I will exist in that world, right? And if, in my uh, corporate career. But at the end of the day, even though they have heads of content, it's usually for Uh, them pushing out content, right? So if Twitter wants to partner with New York Times, right, Twitter will have a head of content or an editor-in-chief that will email the publisher at New York Times and say, hey, we want to take your New York Times content and put it on Twitter. That's how that relationship works. But the editor-in-chief of Twitter or the head of content at Twitter is not supposed to get involved uh, in uh, what's okay and not okay in terms of what gets posted on the Twitter platform, right? We're just using Twitter as an example. But when we talked about a bunch of episodes ago, where do you draw the line? You know, if somebody's going on these platforms and they're saying, well, I'm going to go around and kill everybody, you have, you, you know, your head of content has to step in. Your team probably has to take that person off the platform. And then this gets into this whole larger conversation like we talked about back in the day about First Amendment and the freedom of speech and all this kind of stuff, right? But it's like, where's the line? Where do you draw the line? So anyway, they yanked this fucking Andrew Tate off the platform and good because you want, you want to know why because there's, there's sickos in this world as we know. There's sickos in this world and I, we, at me as a mother, you as a mother, parent, any of us, we don't need somebody with a viral video of a man beating a woman with a belt, and you know what? Please don't even get me started. Okay, don't even get me. I just saw yesterday. Yesterday, I was doing a spot. My boyfriend picked me up because you know he's like my Uber driver, and he, <laughs> I mean, come on, J Lo's like my love. Don't cause a thing. I'm sorry, mine does. Sorry, Jay. Okay, sorry, Jen. So he's picking me up, and um, and I I check my phone. Get in the car. And I see George Foreman is like under uh, allegations because he raped a 13 and a 16 year old girl in the 70s. What? What? You know how many? They're, so, yeah, they are fucking creepy people. First of all, that George Foreman girl right in the trash. OK, right in the goddamn trash that that thing's going. I don't care if you did it in the 70s. You still did. It. You know, in my opinion, you should be locked up. Anyway, we got to move on because I can't. Because you know just as well as I do. As a mother, as a woman, especially as a mother, I get... Look at this. Who the hell's calling my phone? Hold on. Who the hell's calling my phone right now? Oh my God. Wait, you're going to die. Wait, I got to... I gotta. How, how do I turn this shit off? Hold on. Wait, we're going to have a tangent. We're going to have a tangent right here. Airplane, airplane mode. <sighs> my daughter's friends, my daughter, my older daughter, you know, she just turned eight. She's at the age where her girlfriends like they want to call. They want to like make calls and stuff <laughs> or they do FaceTime. And my phone rings like all the time, like all hours. Like it's like it's very early in the morning right now. It's like six 30 and the, her friends blowing up the phone on, on FaceTime, but it's different. Like when I was growing up, like when you were growing up, we had house phones, you know, so the house phone would drink and then the friend would leave a message on the answering machine. Right. And then of course I was very lucky, but I don't know how my, I convinced my cheap ass mother to get me a teen line, but she got me a teen line probably, you know why she got me a teen line? Because When I was a teenager, which was your own phone number for your bedroom for like two extra dollars a month because she was sick of the phone ringing. She was sick of answering the phone with my friends, you know, but because we don't have a house line, which I really should get these girls, they're calling my number. So but my my cell phone is multipurpose. I got the social media work, my personal stuff, the family. Now I got my kids for. Oh, it's too much. I'm not getting her a cell phone now. But anyway, as a mother going back as a mother, especially as a mother, especially, especially, especially. Oh, my God. As a mother of girls young girls i can't handle the amount of creeps that i'm seeing the stories of creeps like it i get this visceral this visceral thing that comes up I, you know i'm i'm a mama bear like you okay we got to change the topic <laughs> have you heard about quiet quitting quiet quitting this is a gen z thing this is not a work episode, but like, why do I kind of feel like there's like a little workish stuff going on? Gen Z is going around doing a thing, quiet quitting. Okay, quiet quitting. Um, <clears throat> the Washington Post is saying that uh, people, Gen Z's, millennials, they're doing this thing, quiet quitting. And it's because they are burned out in the workplace because of the pandemic. And I understand. Okay, I really do. Like, I don't, to be, I mean, well, I'm not insulting Gen Z, but these people, a lot of Gen Zers don't have children yet. And these Gen Zers feel that they're burnt out um, from the pandemic because they've been working from home and they're doing, you know, all these meetings, you know, all these calls, all these meetings, you know, working. 10, 12 hour days. And we all know this was called the great, this is called the great resignation, right? But it's the quiet quitting they're calling it now or something, this new little trend because they, they just feel like they're totally burnt out. And they have doing working 10, 12 hour days, working from home. Now their bosses and their companies like, well, we want a hybrid thing. You know, and these people are like, well, why? Like my whole life exists online. Like I was practically born on the internet. Like, you know, like what, and I just worked a couple of years from home, the whole thing, right? So now the bosses are like, you know, oh, come into the office. And these people are just like, we're so burnt out. Like, no, we don't want to sit on the Metro North for a couple hours or an hour coming into the office, whatever. So, so they're saying that it's, it's, they've had enough, right? And as I read that, there was another article by a, a CEO. It was a post. It was a LinkedIn post by a CEO that turned around and said that the candidates that his company is interviewing, and he was, he was a CEO at a big company, the candidates that his uh, his company has been interviewing are lazy and, and uh, they're they're lazier than in the past. And it's like lazy, like they're lazy. I don't actually think the candidates are lazy. Okay. Guy. I don't think anybody's lazy. I think people are, in fact, burnt out from work. Like, Newsflash, CEO, whoever you are, right? It's like, we have been homeschooling. We've been working overtime. Inflation is up. We have, or there is inflation we have less purchasing power i because of it i just went for drinks with my girlfriend my best girlfriend like my oldest girlfriend like we met when we were nine years old and she was telling me that her and her husband they went to costco the other day and they usually have a budget when they go to costco they spend three hundred dollars at costco and they buy the same things all the time they're like one of those like they have they have like they don't like give into their impulses unlike me i'm like oh sample lady i'll take 10 but they go into costco and they have $300 $300 budget, and they buy the same things all the time. And they went recently, and it was $500, the same stuff. Yeah, so anyway, we inflation, hello, purchasing power. Times are tough for a lot of people. Layoffs are happening all over the place, right? Especially in tech. Okay. And then the CEO's going around saying that you're lazy. It's like, I don't know. How about this? Why don't we have a little compassion? You know what you need to do CEO? You need to hire Bernie Brown. Okay. And if you haven't watched that Ted talk on vulnerability, you got to watch it. You need to hire Bernie Brown as a speaker and you need to get in, get, get her in your company and speak to you and your head of HR about being vulnerable being compassionate in the workplace so you could understand what your employees are going through. Because that's the problem with CEOs, right? That's a lot of the problem with a lot of these, this top brass at these companies. They have a lot of resources, right? They have house staffs, house managers. They have nannies. They have drivers. They have all this kind of stuff. And I know because I used to work with these people alongside these people. I see they have black cars, picking them up in the morning, taking them, shuffling them back to the office. They're not on the train like the rest of us slubs. They're not on the bus right? They live that kind of life. Good for them. But they don't understand what it's like going to Costco, having a $300 normal budget and then having to spend $500. So so by the time she shows up at work on Monday at 9 a.m., right? She's tired. She's broke. She's tired. And now she's got to come in hybrid because you just need to see people in person. It's like, it, so yes, quiet quitting, I understand. But you know, it's funny to me because the quiet quitting, this little trend is with Gen Z. And like, you don't even have kids yet, Gen Z. You're quiet quitting without kids? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if you should have children <laughs> because because your life's going to get to be like that roller coaster once you've got the babies. But you know, like, again, the company, it's like, what kind of company are you trying to build? what kind of company what kind of uh environment is the CEO trying to instill are you just trying to be cold and harsh and not caring you know or are you trying to build a company or have a company with values and meaning you know like just because like, and you have to be flexible on the rules right i just i i just don't i i i don't get it There's a war. There's literally there's wars going on. There's wars going on. There's the inflation war. I feel like that's a war. Food shortage. There's a tampon shortage, people. There's a tampon shortage. (laughs) There's a never-ending pandemic. We just got COVID. Me and my kids, we had COVID. We had COVID last week. We're fine. There's there's hiring crises. You know, my boyfriend, he owns a comedy club down, downtown and the upstairs has a big room and they have a downstairs showroom as well. The upstairs showroom's running and thriving and selling out every show and they're running an amazing business downstairs. They can't even staff people. So they can't even put shows on downstairs. It's two and a half years. And people can't pay bills because everything's expensive and people are being driven to a breaking point. Gas and there's a car shortage. So it's like the CEO. I, I You know what? I don't know how old this guy is, but I think it sounds time for retirement, right? Let's let's bring in let's bring in people that are my age, right? I'm in my late 30s. People that are my age, people in our late 30s, people that are in our 40s that understand tech that have compassion, right? Let's bring people like us into that role. Anyway. Anyway, I'm off. Oh. Oh my god. When I say off, I meant off the topic, but here's the other thing I need to just mention about this. A lot of companies in the last few years um we're doing extended parental leave, you know, that was, that's a thing they were giving people, they were saying, Oh, you know, you, you know, maybe you're going to get three weeks paid maternity leave or, you know, four weeks. That's like, was maybe the traditional four weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, three months. And then companies like, you know, all the big guys, like Google and Amazon and, and Disney, you know, they were like, you know what, we're going to really like appreciate our new parents. Right. And we're going to give them twenty-five weeks paid leave. I mean, yes, that's really a thing. If you didn't know that was a thing, that it was a thing. And now, now there's a lot of companies, particularly in tech, they're cutting that benefit. They're cutting it. Like Hulu, Hulu recently reduced its pu- pu- fully paid parental leave from twenty weeks to eight weeks, and it's a um, it's it's because they're trying to save they're trying to save costs. Right? Because probably due to inflation and staffing and all this stuff. So it's like, you're making things so hard, people. People are going to crack up. (sighs) Anyway. When I was out with my girlfriend, um, I was telling her that I was out with another friend, like a couple months ago, who's a mother and is single. And she's telling me all about her sexcapades. (laughs) And then she was so funny when she was telling me, like, she's like, Elise, oh, sex since the dawn of time has always been the same, right? We always had the same stuff sex, right? Missionary, woman on top, you know, oral sex, right? And, you know, the people do 69. Like, I could, can we talk about that for a second? 69. You better, I do not want my ass in your face. I do not want to be upside down with my ass in your face. Like I, I can't even handle. Okay, I can't handle it. And and then put my my face in your ass, like a guy. Like he, I don't even know if they're doing personal grooming down there. I gotta be caring about like your ass hair and like your ball hair. Like I I I'm not, I'm I can't. Unless I'm like 14 bottles of champagne in, I'm not 69 and wait, you sorry. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, my friend's like, you know, sex has always been the same. She's like, and and uh, she's like, and now I'm on the apps and I'm dating. She's like, and these guys, they want, they, they, you know, I go out with them or we're talking about, you know, we, we text, we sexed. She's like, and they want different things. And I'm like, like what? You know, and she's like, like anal. And I, this is that sex has changed people. Like if you are thinking about getting divorced, I think you need to really think hard about this. <clears throat> See, I don't have this problem because my boyfriend's older. I'm like, he just doesn't know what goes on, which is fine. And, uh, and I prefer it that way, but like if I was single right now and I was meeting people and, and if we were going to, you know, do a, do the do, and he's going to turn around on like, you know, date 10. And first of all, I don't give it up at least three months because I need you, I need to, I just don't like, we all know that there's, if you, by when you hold out on things, there's a big payoff, right? So. I don't give it up. But if it was like day 10 and this guy's trying to do it with me and he's trying to stick it in my ass, I will go, I would, oh my God. First of all, if you're going to have anal sex, like I I think that you have to be in like a really serious committed relationship for like 20 years, (laughs) right? Like that's the only time that that dick is entering the asshole. It's like you're 20 years in, like you're 20 years in, like you're drunk and you want to try something different. But she's telling me that there's all these things going on they want anal sex right out of the gate. The guys that, you know, they, they, they want, they want to do threesomes. They strap on. She went out with one guy. He wanted her to use a strap on, on her. So he could, he he could have anal sex. So she could have anal sex with him. I could not even, this is why I just, I can't even do. So basically what I'm telling you is sex has stayed the same since the dawn of time people. And now it is changing. So if you're thinking about being single, be be well aware of this okay be be well aware of this and think hard about your decision because i don't i don't know well, get yourself an older guy but like please please different kinds of sex she also asked me if she gets together with a new guy should she put her bank accounts together i said okay why can't we cross that bridge when we come to it like, do we need to talk about that now? But I will say, when I first got married, I was married for a short period of time and then we got separated, my ex and I, my British ex and I. We just had a lot of, we fought. It's a long story, but I'll tell you one day. But when we got back together, you know, we got back together and then we had the kids. We got back together and he said to me, I want you to take my name And I want you to put our bank accounts together because those were two things I didn't want to do. And I got married young. You know, I got married. I got engaged at 26, married at 27. And um, I will never do that again. Okay. I'm never doing that again. Putting my name, doing the name, doing the bank account because I'm not like a crazy liberal, you know, like women's rights. Like I am, you know, obviously like i had a big executive level career and i you know and i'm a strong woman and all that kind of stuff like i am but i'm also like i appreciate tradition like if you come to my house it's like very traditional you know i like traditional customs but uh and all that stuff uh and i like like taking the man's name but like but but then you get when you but see the thing is is like when you get older and you get, you know, and you get advanced degrees with your, your maiden name it, and you're making all this money with your maiden name, it's like, what are you going to do? You can throw it all away for a husband's name. So it's like, I like it, but then I don't. You know, I have conflicting thoughts, but my point is I would never do it again. I would never do it again because like I said, even though I'm traditional, I found it dehumanizing. I found it dehumanizing to have got all of my degrees, my job, all in my name. And then to just throw it all away and take my, my husband's name. And then I have my bank account and my brokerage accounts and my investments. And then to just put his name on all the accounts. I felt like that was dehumanizing. So I, we wound up having this whole conversation, right? My newly newish single mom girlfriend about, should she put a bank account together? Should she get remarried? Again, little premature on her part, but she's OCD fine. I am very serious about women keeping your money to yourself. Like, I think when people get married, now that I'm a little bit older and smarter, okay, I think that when when you get married, you should open up a joint account with your significant other and you should all, you both of you should contribute a percentage of your earnings into the account, Okay. If you want to put 50% of your paycheck into the account and he puts 50% of the paycheck in the account. And if he makes more, then obviously there's going to be more money coming from his 50% than yours. And if you make more, then it's going to be that, but it's even because it's a percentage basis. But if you're all put, if you're both putting your, your whole check, I mean, it's, it winds up being unfair. Now it's a different situation if you don't work, or it's a different situation if you know you're an admin, or maybe you're, you know, you you're you're an entry level-ish. And and if he's, you know, like a VP or something, right? That's a little different, right? Because then it's it's just assumed, and he knew through the dating process that he's gonna be the one carrying the bills and carrying the finances. Then you might have a different arrangement. But if you're both working corporate professionals, you know, and you're in your 30s and you're getting married, why the hell or 40s or 50s, why the hell would you just put all your money together? See, with me, I saw. So much financial insecurity with my own mother, right? It's almost it was like baked into my DNA, like the financial insecurity. Like I come from a middle class family, and my mother and my father—they got my mother got married at twenty one. She just they dumped all the money together, and then my mother got divorced when I was like seventeen. She had nothing, like literally nothing, you know. Um, it was it's petrifying. So as a woman, working when I put my money together with Paul, you know, I I was. So freaking stupid when we got back to, I was like, yeah, like I'll just put, we'll just have the one account, one checking, one savings, you know, whatever. We'll put it all together. And I was making five times the amount, five times the amount that my husband was making. And I don't know if I ever told you people, I became a millionaire at 30, a self-made millionaire at 30 years old. It is what it is. Okay. And I don't, that's not something that I talk about really publicly. It's private because it is private. Um, but I, I did, I became a self-made millionaire at 30 years old. I've everything that I've on my own. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was like actually like 31 or 32. Whatever, whatever. Let's round to 30. And I just put everything together with him, and I didn't think much of it, right? And that's the situation. So why would you do this? Why would you do the same? Maybe you're a self-made millionaire. Maybe, maybe you're maybe you're a hundred thousandaire, right? Like may, maybe not. Maybe you're a 5 figure heir. It doesn't matter. It's your fucking hard-earned money, right? And when I got, I had a brokerage account, an E-Trade brokerage account that I made. I don't have it anymore. But I made that account when I was, uh, I don't know, 22 or 23. I don't know what the hell I was doing at the time when I was doing it, but I made and I bought little stocks. You know, it amassed, it amassed into something over the years, right? So by the time I was maybe like 29, I mean, and when, over the years, it was short actually period of time because I'm—you know if I opened it at 22 and then I'm talking when I was 29, 30, whatever. That money grew and I, and I just put his name on it, you know? And then when I got divorced, it was, everything was half split in half. It, it's not fair. So I don't think that you should, I think that everything should be percentage based. You know, when you, in your family, if you've watched older family members, like my mom have to, as an adult woman, have to go to her mom and ask for money, right? Those, those, those kind of experiences make us so, um, they they put an imprint in our head. Either it tells you you can always go to your parent to bail you out, or it says shit. Like even my own mom is unstable, and that, it was the latter for me. Like I don't have a mother that I could go and say fuck. Like I need help, mom. Can you like give me money? There were times in my life when I had to borrow money as an adult, because when I say became a millionaire at thirty, I don't necessarily mean liquid. I mean in assets, right? So I, there were times in my life when I needed to borrow money, right? And I and I and I had no one to go to. So I built that stuff was sacred to me. And then you think I'm going to go turn that around to just a man, you know, at, now, like now at this stage of my life, screw that. And I told you last week, right, about prenups. And I definitely would have a prenup and all that. But like, I couldn't believe she was asking me, should I have a joint bank account? You know, or like put all my money together. Should I get remarried? I was just like, no, you should like, you, we can't if we're going to choose to get married older or get married again, why would we mix the finances? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. You're merging your emotional life, your romantic life. There's no need to really merge your financial and life. Of course, of course though, unless he wants to give you everything great, or unless you want to give him everything great, not something I would advise, but it is what it is. Older people, they staunchly believe in merging finances, right? Like I have a friend's mother who says like, when you have your money together, it brings you together. I do actually agree when I had my money together with my my husband, my ex-husband, I did, we felt closer. We were doing the same goals and all that kind of stuff. But like when you're, when it's the second, third, fourth marriage, you've already lived, you've already lived life. Like we're not like babies, anymore we're not starting out both making fifteen thousand dollars a year you know maybe we have a couple kids or a house like I you know you know what uh, like people say oh, older people older older like like now the depression era age grandparents right they'll say oh well you're supposed to be all in and yes maybe if you're starting out together but I don't know I felt like it was dehumanizing that was my opinion and 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 I I, I I'm going to probably be talking to my kids about that when they get to be older, older. Right. Luckily for me, as you know, I've spoken the me when we got divorced, it was just everything was split down the middle. I got divorced without lawyers. What's the point of having a lawyer? OK, well, uh, in my in my case, well, I didn't have see the need to have a lawyer. We had assets, but we just split everything down the middle. Right. And 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 he went his way and I went my way. And, you know, why? Because a lawyer is going to cost what me 25 grand and then Hibs 25 grand. And then we are 50 thousand dollars out the only people that were hurting is our daughters so we just that's what we did we right but that was like a, that's a very rare thing i don't know i don't know the money thing money money is i'm i am I, i'm gonna do some more stuff about that not on the t- podcast because i don't know if it's i don't know i don't think like everybody i think everybody just wants to like hang out but i just think that this is a big topic I think that also, like for me, coming from like very middle class, like when I pick up personal uh, personal finance books, um which obviously I read like every single one of them, or when I watch like Susie Orman, like I love those kind of shows. like, can you afford it? I love all that kind of stuff. When I watch those people, it always seems so out of reach, you know, like I mean, if you don't know the financial terms, if you don't know, like, how to set up certain accounts, if you don't know, know like where to start, it's kind of, they all seem so out of reach. And then a lot of the personal finance books are like, well, you should just stop drinking a $10 latte every day. And it's like, why should I stop drinking a $10 latte? So I could go kill myself. Why should I stop drinking a $10 latte? I'm not going to stop drinking a $10 latte because that's the only thing I freaking spend my own money on that every My money goes to everything else other than the one thing I do. I do my nails and I do a latte. I'm not stopping spying the latte, right? Like that's like all the personal finance books. I mean, no, there's not a lot of personal finance conversation, in my opinion, for middle cl- regular middle-class people <clears throat> like myself that took themselves to another level. There's not a lot of personal finance for Italian-American women. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, if you're listening. If you're listening, tell me if you think that that's correct or incorrect or what your opinions is on that. Because it is something, again, I'm not going to talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I did want to get your opinion on that. I think I get a lot of questions about girls asking me about jobs or maybe sometimes about money, you know, and how I afford my apartment on my own or how I bought, bought my apartment or, you know, whatever else other places that I bought how did i do that so i'm happy to share that information with people um i have to find the right medium to share it it might, maybe it's in the form of a website or a book but um i want to know maybe it's another podcast like a money podcast but i want to know if that's something that you would want to hear about like where do you start like if you are listening to me right now and you're in your car and you're driving and you're 26 or you're 35 and you're like, I'm making my salary and I want to max out my 401k or I want to open a brokerage account. I don't know how, or I don't know how to pick investments. Is that something that you want to hear about? Or you're like, I want to buy an apartment, but I don't know where to start. I don't know how to save money and no one's giving me a down payment. Like this was all me, right? This was all, I, I did this all on my own. So, do you, If you want that kind of stuff, right? Italian girl from the streets, money, like almost like scrappy money management, and I don't want to say money management, like money, how to, how to get to the next level. Please let me know. Please send me a DM. Okay. Anyway. Okay. I went to the beach at the Jersey Shore. My sister, Allison, came so great. We had our favorite beach chairs. I'm sure you use them too. The Tommy Bahama beach chairs, right? Like, are these not the best? I had like Rio, a Rio beach chair, which was also great. But everybody likes the Tommy Bahama because you get like the backpack and the cooler in the back, you know. And of course, the chair, the whole chair is the backpack. But my sister, this is product of the day, by the way. My sister had a shade, like an umbrella for her chair, not a clip-on umbrella, it was actually a shade. It wasn't an umbrella. And I was like, oh my God, I need that. Because I don't real. I like to lay out in the sun, but I don't really love to get tan anymore. For, I just don't. It clogs my pores. My, I have like mild rosacea. <laughs> like I can't handle it. I just want to, like, I'm like the Asians. I want to be under a parasol kind of thing. But I don't have a beach umbrella. And so I have the chair and I'm baking. And my sister has a sunshade. So it's called, I asked her to give me the stuff because I'm going to tell it on the podcast. Clever made, clever made, I'm looking at it right now, chair umbrella, sport canopy. It has that, you know, that uh, UPF 50, whatever. <clears throat> it's a beach umbrella thing, like a shade. It has the clamps, but like it's, but it goes onto your chair. So it's not one of those like clamped one arm umbrellas you know what I'm saying? That go on one side and you have to carry it separate. Like this is a flat little shade thing and it folds into the chair. So when she's carrying her backpack chair, she's got the shade in there too. It's $30 on Amazon, clever made chair umbrella. I didn't order it yet. I'm going to order it. I'm going to order it and I'm going to slot it into my chairs for next year. So when next year comes around and I take the chairs to the beach, I'm going to open it up and I'm be like, Oh my God, I'm so smart because I did this a year ago. <laughs> I'm not going to surprise myself because it's all about the surprise and delight people, right? Anyway, <sighs> quote of the day is this by Pink. Yes, Pink, but Pink from her musical. And it says, once you figure what she said, once you figure out what respect tastes like, it tastes better than attention. And I agree. Who needs attention when you can have respect? Oof. That's the thing. A lot of comedians, right? We go on stage and people say, "Oh, they want the attention. They want this. They want that." And and yeah, to an extent, yes. But respect, respect is better than that, right? We all know it. Anyway, so listen, this is crazy, fucking mommy. This is our first show with the new name, but we are at episode one hundred and twelve. So thank you always, and do me a favor: send me a DM if you're interested in uh, hearing about that stuff. And again, it's not, the podcast isn't changing. It's not going to be podcast stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube, by the way, I'm scratching because I have like, I'm one of these people with the most sensitive skin. I scratch, my whole face turns red. I can't take it. Anyway, send me a DM. Let me know. Please give me a like in the Apple Podcast Store, on Spotify. Drop me a comment. This is Crazy Fucking Mommy, episode 112. I'm Elise DeLucci. Thank you always for listening. Love, love you, baby. See you soon.